Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Narcissist Podcast. I'm your host, the Mindful Narcissist, and I'm here with my best friend. So when I was about to hit a thousand plays, I was like, on my Instagram story, you know, what should I do to celebrate a thousand plays? And there's some great suggestions. Um, I have not made t-shirts yet, but I should make myself, myself at least, a t-shirt. And then my lovely friend was like, I listen to this podcast where to celebrate X and YZ milestone instead of doing the interviewing, the host was themselves interviewed. And I was like, well, this podcast is already mostly about me, but you know what? Let's lean into the brand. And so to celebrate a thousand plays, which I would, I will have hit a while ago now by the time this is published. (laughs) Um, Here is me being interviewed. Thank you for agreeing to sit down as the subject of this interview. I know this is so far out of character for you. I know, I don't usually talk about myself. Right, to even be heard online, very strange. Um, This is a rare opportunity, everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so the people want to know some things. And I didn't ask any of the people. I am the people all on my own. You are people. I am. I am people. And so you have shared about how much you've changed and grown and developed as a human. And... A large part of that is what fuels and motivates this podcast and the things you talk about on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And so answer for us, what core truths or what like are the key pieces of identity that you've discovered on your journey as a person over the last few years? I think you did read me these questions before, but I forgot how big they were. Yes. Um. (laughs) You definitely had a chance to prepare an answer and you definitely did not. Yeah. Very on brand. We're riffing. We're riffing. Yes. Um, Core truths about myself, my identity, me as a person. Um, I think one of the things that I think about myself, like everything is valid. Like... I think that's been something that I've had to accept and I think that is a truth. Like, not everything I feel is true. Like, not everything I feel is fact. But it is valid. It is related to some aspect of my experience. And I I don't need to invalidate myself. Like, there are enough other people and forces in the world that will do that. But my experiences and feelings are valid. At the same time... I think a truth that I've learned is that I project a lot and that is not reality. Okay. And I think acknowledging that and being able to step back from that. Also, though, like, everybody exists within their own version of reality and my version is not your version and my version doesn't necessarily have to affect your version and your version doesn't have to match my version for us to get along. Mm-hmm. Or for you to understand me. Or for me to understand you. I think something that I know about myself now is that I learn things the hard way and that's okay. And more fun. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It is okay to learn things the hard way. It is more fun to learn things the hard way. Maybe the biggest thing is that I don't have to do what anybody expects me to do. Okay. I also don't have to not do what people expect me to do. You don't have to be reactionary against yeah. these things. Yeah. I don't have to go opposite just because right. I don't want to do what's expected of me. I've ha- I think I've had to learn a balance with that. Like, especially coming out of the church for, I think, years, mm-hmm. I've made a lot of life choices based on how far from what I was expected to do 
can I live my life? Right. Without any thought about whether that was actually how I wanted to live my life. Um, again, this is an element of learning things the hard way mm-hmm. and messing up. Oh, not messing up, learning. Learning. Just learning. But yeah, releasing myself from expectations, both from other people and from my own expectations. Yeah. And just letting myself be a human day to day. Those are all phenomenal things to have gathered over time. How do you think that you're understanding? Because to me, it sounds like the truths that you have come across have helped you determine and define your place in the world and how you interact with the world. Would you think that that's accurate? Yeah. Yeah. And so how do you see the differences now that you have a more concrete sense of yourself and where you fit and how you interact? Like, how has that changed your peace or your confidence or your, yeah, feeling of of peace as you make decisions or as you navigate things? I think this will, this is definitely something still in progress, but I'm learning to not take responsibility for everything. Okay. Because I think that's a core element of like my childhood trauma is that I, and probably also just being an oldest child, like I always felt responsibility for everything. But in fact, not everything is my responsibility. Like, yes, try to do right by people, try to not cause harm. But at the end of the day, the way people react to things is generally not about me. It's about them. Mm-hmm. And I, there's no need for me to take responsibility for that. And I think that allows you to make, has allowed me to make choices, period. Yeah. Like, I think that's at the core of, like, why I have often struggled with, like, paralyzing indecision. Yeah. Because, you know, everything is always my fault. Right. But if you don't make a choice, it can't be your fault. (laughs) Except for then, at the same time, that does generally cause issues if you don't make a choice. And it's just, you know, then you're just miserable all the time. Um, Because you can't do anything right, and you can't do anything wrong, and you just can't do anything. At all. Period. So... I think the biggest thing is, like, it's easier to make choices now. I mean, I still get overwhelmed by choices, and I like to make as few choices as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I curate my life in a way where I, I do only have to make choices that are actually important to me. Yes. Everything else I just don't want to have to think about. Um, but I think that's been the biggest thing. Like, I can make choices, and I don't have to worry about and second-guess those choices. There's a confidence in... Not even necessarily that I've made the right choice, but that I've made a choice and I can't make any choice that can't be undone. Like, I can't do anything so bad that it can't be fixed. So, of all the choices that you think you've had to make, especially as you were developing this way of being in the world, what do you think took the most from you or required you to be the bravest or make kind of the biggest jump to be able to do? I feel like the choice to like actually tell my parents that I was leaving the church was probably like the scariest thing I've ever done in my life Mm -hmm. and it was done very poorly and overall did not go over well like I think that's actually the only thing in my life that I wish I could go back and do differently 
Although, you know, obviously it's mainly who I am today, et cetera, et cetera. But it was just, it was poorly done overall. But like the fact that I did decide to do it ultimately, that was a big choice and did need to be done. Mm-hmm. So like I'm proud of being able to do it, period. Yeah. That's nice. But like nothing has ever taken more out of me than that. Than that. And I hope nothing will. <laughs> You've given enough. You've done enough. <laughs> Yeah, I hope also at this point that, like, that I'm comfortable enough with my life decisions overall mm-hmm. that I, I just won't be in a position like that. Again. Again. So of all the choices that you've made and have had to make, what do you think is the decision that's brought you the most joy? Or that was, like, the most worth the risk? <laughs> leaving the church <laughs> that's fair that's a very valid answer but if you had to pick anything else, anything else everything totally, comes back to that you can totally answer on that one if you'd yeah. like to but. um I think probably after that like ending my real like like my big breakup yeah because, like, at that point, I finally started forming, like, my own identity. I feel like everything good that has come after that kind of, like, stemmed from that point. Yeah. Where, because that was, like, the final thing I needed to shed to be like, okay, I am finally going to really, really make my own decisions now. Yeah. Not influenced by, like, fear. Yeah. Or what I think my life is supposed to be. Although, I mean, I'm sure I still do that in some ways. But for the most part, I feel like my decision-making is free of, like, what I expected my life to be or what I think other people expect my life to be. So I think what's interesting about both of those answers of, like, well, what made you feel, you know, what took the most or made you feel brave and then what brought you joy is you went back to memories that other people probably would have been like, that's painful. There was no joy in that. That was not you know, something I, I liked, like you, you went back to places or you identified places in which you experienced the most growth, not the most like pleasure. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting dynamic and an interesting way of looking at the world. I think I'm finally at a place where I don't view those things necessarily with bitterness or like, I don't know, been to enough therapy that they don't bring me. Like I don't immediately get sucked back into like how those nights felt yeah which is nice so of all of all the things that therapy has taught you if you (laughs) had to give away one free piece of advice um from all of all of the things that you have learned and that have helped you grow like what do you think outside of what you've already shared um what do you think the most impactful takeaway i guess was from your time and all my many different therapists. Yes. Um, I just saw a tweet the other day that was funny. It was like, all these people who are like tweeting, this is the free therapy bit nugget from my therapist, have clearly never been to therapy because my therapy hardly says anything. I was like, oh, that's kind of true, actually. Yeah, it is kind of just a space where she listens to me. Um, but I think the most valuable thing that she's gotten me doing consistently is like when I get into a place where I'm kind of freaking out or like having a lot of anxiety around something to question like is the root of this me determining that this means I'm not good enough oh okay 
like always questioning that impulse to be like, I'm not good enough. This will prove that I'm good enough. If I do this, I won't be good enough. Like, just why? Good enough for what, first of all? And that is not necessary? And to like flag that for myself. Be like, oh, mm, no. And as soon as I like take that out of the equation, most things are fine. That's a really cool mindfulness practice. It just, I don't know. And it, it goes to show like how deeply ingrained these like thinking patterns get. Yeah. Because I'm not, that's not something that like, that's not really something anybody told me to think. But it, I do think it comes from how I interpreted God and religion okay. growing up. Which, again, is something I've left behind. Right. But is deeply embedded in my little brain hole. Little brain hole. <laughs> like, it's there and it does... It probably still comes up, like, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I'm just really good at being like, no. 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 And hope, maybe someday I won't have to do it anymore. Yeah. Once you do it enough. Once I've lived as long without it as I did with, with it. it. God, I hope it doesn't take that long. That's a really long time. I'm patient. It's fine. <laughs> um, but, yep, that's that's my therapy nugget. So I think you hit on something else that's really important. And it's the idea of, like, the messages and the things that we hear or internalize and the way that they play into our understanding of the world and understanding of ourselves. And so with that in mind, what are the messages that you're seeking out or allowing around you now? And how is that different? from the past. Hmm. You know, I think the difference isn't that I'm necessarily changing what I allow around me. It's that I can have everything around me and it does not penetrate my sense of self necessarily. Okay. So yeah, I don't think I necessarily, like, I don't think I necessarily separate myself from being around certain ideas or certain ways of talking. I guess maybe, I mean, things that are just very like not, open like closed-minded people closed-minded ways of thinking if it's like very black and white like yeah i i guess i'm not really around that much because i'm just like that's you're boring like you can't have conversations you can have good conversations or interesting conversations with somebody who's very closed-minded and sees the world in a black and white way so and also just makes you feel kind of icky long term if you sit with that so i suppose like any sort of black and white way of thinking i would distance myself from but overall, I do think the biggest change in me as a person is my ability to be around anything and not internalize it. I also think that's like, that's why I can adapt to living different places so quickly. Mm-hmm. Is like, I don't actually internalize these places. I just come as I am and pick and choose what I like. What would you say are the things that you picked up from each, that you chose to pick up from like Ireland or from Italy? Or from Fresno? What are the things you chose to take with you? Because I know you don't take much. Mm. Well, the first very interesting place I lived in, Fresno. Ah. Um, <laughs> it's the least interesting place on earth, but carry on. Yes. Um, I mean, the entire core of my identity would have been formed there. Uh-huh. And I take me wherever I go. So I think I'm the most interesting thing that I took from Fresno. Um, <laughs> I do like, I mean, that's, that's the base level of everything about who I am is from there. Everything about how I understand myself, art, spirituality, all of the above. So that's just, you know, base level. They gave me a base level of existing. 
I also took from it that I never wanted to live somewhere like that ever again. Amen. <laughs> from Italy. What did I take from Italy? I think a specific kind of slowness is what I took from Italy. Like a pleasure-filled slowness. Okay. Almost like hedonistic a bit. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's like mindful slowness. And then there's like Italian slowness. And I think they're different. <laughs> they're different. It's not, it is mindful in a way, but like, I don't know, pleasure centered. I think the ability to truly enjoy pleasure. Yeah. I think it's something that I took with me from Italy, from Ireland. I don't know. I'm still probably processing what I took from Ireland. Cause that was another place where like some extremely formative years. Yeah. So I think I nearly got a whole not new baseline of sense of self, but like so much of the way I understand self and world were refined there, maybe. I do think, I don't know, similar to like the Italian pleasurable slowness, I took another kind of slowness with me from Ireland though. Kind of a more mindful one, okay. more like attentive to what's around me kind of slowness. And it remains to be seen what I take with me from Texas. What is the most Instagrammable thing you have ever seen? The most Instagrammable thing I've ever seen? Outside <gasps> of yourself. <laughs> That's a hard question. Um, I feel like my most Instagrammable moments were like in Italy. Like I remember the morning I went to the Vatican, we had coffee in a cafe and like, oh no, maybe this was in Paris actually. It might've been in Paris. I can't remember, but we were at a cafe and it was like croissants and the coffee and then like a newspaper in either Italian or French, depending on which country we were in fact in. Right. Um, and I think that was like the most Instagrammable moment. It was just all the colors were so perfect. I didn't even need like a filter to make it all the same right palette mm -hmm. and just aesthetically it was mwah. It was perfect. And that is, that is the most Instagrammable moment. What is, you're always looking for a very specific thrift store t-shirt design. What is the next thrift store t-shirt design on your list that you hope to find in a thrift store someday? Oh, now that I've finally accomplished my like 90s wolf tie-dye kind of t-shirt thing, which I didn't really accomplish, I was just given it because I couldn't find it anywhere. Um, <laughs> what is my next one? I think right now I'm just looking for like absurd funny ones that make no sense and are not relevant to me at all like i'm always really tempted by like the awful jesus t-shirts like really really cheesy jesus t-shirts but i'm scared to buy them because like if you didn't know me you might think i was wearing it seriously and not ironically that is a real risk <laughs> and i just i just don't know like i'd have to buy it and only wear it in very very specific contexts contexts where everybody knew what was up but I do think that is my next search. It's a shirt that's like so absurd, but really funny and dumb. That's fairly vague, but that is what I look for now. The reading is my favorite sport one that I just got. Like it's in the right vein. Okay. It's not quite absurd enough. But it's getting there. Yeah. Like okay. it is too, a little too like actually accurately on brand for me mm -hmm. to quite fit the bill, but it still made me laugh and I like it. So as you look at the next few years, are there any things that you hope to be able to say that you are then that you are not yet? 
Hmm. Over the next few years, I mean, like, character human-wise, no. Okay. I think the things, like, I do think I'll change and, like, develop further, but I don't think I have any specific wishes for that. I think I can't let myself have any specific wishes for that because I don't know how to do that in a healthy way. They become immediately expectations that I can only let myself down on. Like, I still have not totally learned how to have a healthy relationship with intentional personal growth. Okay. So I I don't make any conscious efforts towards, like, quote-unquote personal growth ever. And honestly, it's doing... I think I'm doing fine. I'm still growing, personally. Yes. And I don't like to think of it as becoming better but i'm i feel like i'm becoming more myself yeah. so that's that's the only way like i hope in a few years i just continue to become more myself and whatever version of myself best suits wherever i am as well the things that i think like i'm ho oh, i want to be able to say that i am that i'm not currently i guess are more related to like actual like things to accomplish like i Good. want to be certified as a doula tell us about that um i just think birth is cool but I don't want to do the medical part because that's just a whole lot of school and doula is the happy medium there it's like I would want to be so I guess the most school would be like OBGYN and so next step down would be like a midwife Mm -hmm. still too much school next step down (laughs) is doula and also like I I don't think I super want to do like the actual medical part it's more like the support role yeah that I want to hold. And so like, I think being a doula and then like also like postpartum support is important to me. Like my vision for that would be like, I'm forming a relationship with the mother and the family, like leading up to the birth, being there through that process. And then also there for support during postpartum. And I don't know, it's just, I don't even know when that started. Like this idea that that's what I wanted to do long term years ago it's been a few, mentioning it it's been a few years but i don't i don't can't remember where that came from i think it just like i thought of it one day and i was like that feels deeply right it was very in character i was not confused yeah. when you said it every time i bring it up to somebody they're like oh oh well i guess that does actually make sense <laughs> like nobody's like oh you wouldn't be good at like it makes sense for me i think as a human being yes. but it is kind of like oh well, that's a bit of a shift but not really Because I think you started talking to me about it right before or right around the time that you were finishing your master's, but before you graduated. Mm -hmm. Because I asked you like, oh, what's next? Or what are you, what are you kind of looking to do? And very firm, you're like, my next step is I would like to be a doula. And I was like, it's not what I was expecting, but I'm into it. Can, what? Yeah. And that's where that conversation went. So that's at least where I have a marker in time, but you were probably considering it long before it verbalized. Yes, this is what I do. I was probably thinking about it for like 10 years before. I don't know. I've always thought like, I've never, I've watched many, many live birth videos. Like as a teenager, I did that on purpose. Like, and it wasn't a requirement for health class or anything. That was like a choice that I made for myself. And I was like, it doesn't gross me out. I mean, I'm sure I could see ones that would gross me out. I did not watch any like particularly gory ones, but I was just like, wow, that's really beautiful. Like that's always fascinated me. Okay. And then, I don't know, I really like babies. but i feel like like since graduating i'm just like riding this wave of you know 
all these different ways I can play a support role. Cause that's kind of, that's what I'm doing right now. Like as a nanny, I'm supporting my friend in, you know, having a life with her children. And like next I want to have, like start this residency. And that's like another facet of support. And I think like I would do the doula thing like in conjunction with having a residency. Okay. I think that's doable. But those are both things, the residency and the doulaing are things that I hope to be able to say that I am or am doing. Ooh, that's interesting. Conflating what you're doing with your identity and who you are. Well, but I hope to say I'm doing those things. I hope to say I am certified as a doula and I am the person running a residency in a few years. Those are the main things. And I am someone who's becoming more and more myself. And I think the vein that I hear through all of that is intentionally supporting, nurturing, and caring for yourself and intentionally nurturing, supporting, and caring for others. Yes. And there's a balance there. Yes. Like, I think the way that, especially like as a woman, as a, like a Christian woman growing mm -hmm. up, that you're taught to support others is to give your all. Right. Or like, if you are somebody who's like becoming a mother, giving your all. Like, the support for yourself isn't an important facet of that. And I'm learning to exist in places where I am supported as well as offering support. And I feel like right now I'm at a place in my life where that's actually really, really, truly happening for the first time, yeah. which is very lovely. And I hope that that continues as well. I think you have a unique ability to be comfortable with the unknown. There are certain types of folks who really need to have a very clear roadmap, I guess, to thrive. Mm. And that's not you, and that's never been you. And you actually thrive with the ambiguous. Can you describe what that is like to navigate as you look towards the mm. future and what that means for you? I do feel like I thrive within like ambiguity, nuance, uncertainty, discomfort in a sense. Yeah. And I do wonder if like, if that's a reaction to the way that I was brought up with so much certainty and like hard truth black and white mm -hmm. or if the reason that never jived with me is that maybe like by nature am i i don't know if i believe that anyway like if i am a certain way by nature if anybody's a certain way by nature necessarily but i don't know is there something in me that like is just more that way and that's why growing up with that certainty never really worked for me right. and why it felt like a prison like i was never more free until i was like just gave all that up and was like, maybe there is just nothing after this. I think that was the biggest thing to give up, like the the idea of an afterlife. I think giving up the idea of an afterlife is like the biggest like uncertainty yeah. that you allow into yourself. And I fully thrive off of that. And I think I do seek out situations where I don't know. And I think I thrive the most in places where I am kind of uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, I learned that for the first time when I was in Italy. Yeah. Because when you don't speak the language and you're so clearly an outsider, like, that that was the first time I'd felt that. And I thrived on it. And I've spent almost all of my life since that experience in living in situations where I'm very, very clearly the outsider. I don't, like, quote-unquote, belong there. 
And I think that lends itself to a bit of like uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And I really hate making concrete goals, concrete plans. I mean, in some places it's merited. But for the most part, like I don't have like a hard five-year plan for my life or long-term plan for my life. And I think that's the only way that I can feel like, oh, I'm going to be okay. Which, yeah, I guess maybe that's not, that's not a default. Um, for, I mean, I do still like control. Do I like control? I don't think I like control. <laughs> Why am I like this? I just, I think I like having the flexibility that uncertainty brings or ambiguity. Okay. Cause I never know. I don't think me right now necessarily knows what's best for me in 10 years, but I do trust that me in 10 years will know what's best for me in 10 years. And if I really embrace a level of uncertainty, ambiguity in the way I look towards the future, then I'm allowing future Caitlin the freedom to do what's best for her and not forcing her to stick by some decision I'm making now with no information about what she is like. So one of the things that really solidified in Ireland in a way that had it had not solidified anywhere else was the process of ritual and rhythm in your life. Not just in your art, but very much as a holistic practice in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you have obviously very recently relocated to the very strange state of Texas. <laughs> and everything about your day-to-day life dramatically shifted. And so as you're going through a shift of totally a new way of life, a new reality, a new set of ritual and rhythm that you're kind of setting up right now, where do you see this taking the work that you're creating as an artist? Hmm. Hmm. I do think there was already kind of a shift starting to happen. Okay. And having that coincide with a complete shift of location and routine life just really solidified that like the direction like i think if i'd stayed longer i might have like you know con gone back and just kept making the kind of work that i was making i mean not that the work is like going to drastically change i feel like the work now is starting to kind of extend outside of myself again okay like it's more about not in a way that like is really interacting with other people like the work isn't actually interacting with other people but it is more looking at the way that i interact with other people like that feels like the thing that i'm drawn to right now and so there's still always like the underpinning of like ritual and the tiny circles and and i think the ritual is still necessary for me to be able to make work period but right now the work feels more about like looking at connection and how I view connection and the connections that I make and I think that's happening through the way I'm fixating on the old photos right now and which has been happening for a while so I think it's it's been coming on for a while but this shift of life has just brought it into the work like this is where it's going. But yeah, the fixation on like the old photos and on like the old writing, old postcards. Somehow that is just really speaking to me examining my own connections that I've made 
in life thus far and like the way I connect to people, what matters to me in connections. So I think right now, like my work has for the last four years really been just about me and just about the space that making the work creates about the process, about the ritual of the process. And it's now still obviously about me. It's about how I connect, but it's about how I connect. Right. Like outside, it's about how I connect outside of myself. Whereas up until now for the last four years, it's been about how I connect inside myself. Right. And for the three years previous to that in like my undergrad, it was about, I think, connecting with my narrative and figuring out how to articulate my narrative. But yeah, so this is the first time I think it's extending outside of just a very, very internal space. And what do you think is drawing you right now to the old photos, the old postcards, the old writing? Like what about that speaks to you in a way that says, I wanna cre create art from this? Hmm. I think it's just, <laughs> I think the ma the first thing that shifted to like, okay, I want to create art out of this is just like the volume. It got to a point where I had so many of them and I couldn't stop myself from collecting more. And it's like, okay, at some point these have to like, and they're valid whether or not they serve a purpose, but also like with my lifestyle, I can't really have things that don't have purpose. Right. And I think I just, I started to think like, why do I feel connected to these photos? Right. And I still don't know exactly why I feel connected to them. But the fact that like that is the draw, like connection with the photos themselves is the draw, I think that then pushes it into just like thinking about connection in general. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's compulsive. I can't I can't stop buying them <laughs> and art is also compulsive, so just marry the two compulsive things that I can't not do. That's fair. <laughs> Ritual as a part of your practice is something that's very specifically holistic and kind of shows up in a lot of other places in your life. And you have Several other things that I would say are kind of holistic and show up in a lot of areas in your life. And one of them is minimalism, which is what you just referenced. And so are all of the things that show up in your life showing up in your art? Or are there specific kind of overarching ways that you are that are just in your life or just in your art? I feel like that is a big debate like the whole separating the art from the artist yeah like whether that can be done and there's also the debate because like that is off that is done more the grouping of it all into one it tends to be historically done more with female artists than male artists and that they aren't allowed to have art that like well because you're a woman this clearly references the vulva like right. <laughs> that kind of thing but at the same time i'm like yeah i don't i don't know if there is anything about myself that doesn't make it into my art okay i mean i have i have interests i think 
that don't necessarily make it into my art, but at the same time, like they do, because I'm interested in them because they play into some aspect of like ritual process, creation of meaning. Okay, I think that's like, that's my cop out, is that like my practice is about creating meaning, but also I think that's what everybody's practice is at the end of the day. And also like what the whole point of life is, is creating meaning. And so like, that is kind of like a cop out in the way I describe my practice, but also it is very genuine, like in that I'm specifically very fascinated by the ways that we create meaning. Right. All art is creating meaning, but I, okay, maybe it's not a total cop out because I, I, I'm not just saying that I'm using art to create meaning. I'm just very specifically interested in the ways that we create meaning. And I do think that is a guiding force for everything else in my life. Right. And like, yeah, all my interests end up being things that like I'm fascinated in the way that that specific thing mm -hmm. is a way that we create meaning or is a way that I create meaning a way that the creator of that thing is creating meaning everything ends up <laughs> everything shows up in my work <laughs> every yeah everything shows up in my work and especially now that I'm exploring like these zines I think that was like the final way that like stuff that maybe wasn't showing up in my work before is now making an appearance right and I like that. Like, and it's also stuff that like, I maybe would have talked about on, on the podcast, but also that's not how I wanted to talk about it. Right. And so now I have like another artistic outlet for talking about those things. Speaking of things that I know are zine material, <laughs> um, would you please share with the people three of your favorite lists that you are currently curating? Three of my favorite lists. Okay, so I'm obsessed with lists. I just, I keep lists always. When I rediscovered my high school Google Drive, like the majority of the Google Docs in there are just random lists that I'd compiled and saved in there. My favorite list in that archive is my list of collective nouns because I just collected collective nouns at some point. My favorite list that I have in my phone right now, because that's where all my lists live, now is um, my list of all the books that I read in 2021, which is significantly shorter than the list for 2020, but that is okay. I will not read off all of them though, because it is still long enough. Um, I've started keeping a list of all my favorite business place names in the town I'm living in in Texas, which I will read now because it is short enough. Ahem. The Blind Place. They sell blinds. Kitsch, please. Which is like, I think a vintage shop, a random stuff shop. Bean Me Up, which is a coffee shop. Uh, Specs in the City, a shop for glasses and contact lenses. And Skin City, they do facials and things there. Um, I'm just heavily amused by all of those names. And let's see, third list that I'm currently running, keeping. Oh, this one isn't current, but it is my last, one of my favorite things that I was keeping for a while. And I do go back and like refer to it. Um, I did make a zine out of this, actually, but it's a list called It Made Me Smile. And I started keeping it when I moved up to Galway because I was kind of just by myself. And I don't know, I had a lot of moments like of feeling isolated. And so I would just write down kind of the, these moments that made me feel connected with the world that made me smile. And then I continued it throughout lockdown because then I was actually very much quite isolated but there were still like on my walks, I'd still see the occasional person. And there were still moments that like made me feel connected with the world. And I think that is a really lovely 
list. Yeah, so those are my three, three favorite lists that are currently on my phone. I love lists. <laughs> I have one more fun question for you. Okay. When you got back to the States, what was the one thing you were the most excited to eat? The thing I was most excited to eat when I got back to the States was... Actually, I still haven't eaten it yet. Um, <laughs> graham crackers. It's a, I don't know why I haven't bought them yet. We've been to the store three times. I know. I'm most excited about graham crackers, and I still haven't bought the graham crackers. Um, I need to buy graham crackers, and I want to dip them in milk. I mean, I'm like, I'm a child, and graham crackers. The end. We'll just, we'll end there. That's a good note to end on. Thank you so much for coming along for another chat. Um, you can follow me for daily Mindful Narcissist content at KaitlinW. I maybe will someday post again on the Mindful Narcissist Instagram account, but at this moment, I'm not feeling it. So really, there's no point in following that. I don't know. I don't, do I even follow it? I don't think I even follow it. Whoops. Anyway, there is still a couple days if you want to get in on the zine club i'll be shipping that out at the beginning of december it is four euro fifty or five us dollars a month to receive a monthly zine about whatever i want to make a zine about that month there's also a general support tier you don't receive a zine but you get warm fuzzy feelings um for telling me with your money that you like what i do i think that's all chat to you again next week Mwah. Mm-hmm.